Uh, we're going to wrap up our series called Waiting on God. And we just sang that song, Be Enthroned Upon Our Praises. And sometimes I think, you ever wonder what heaven is going to be like? You ever wonder? You know, sometimes we have this idea, and I think Scripture kind of supports this to some degree, but we have this idea that heaven is just going to be one really long, really long worship service. Like the band is going all the time, and we're just worshiping all the time. And there's, there's a part of that that's true. I mean, we're worshiping God. We're gathered around the throne, and that, that there's worship and praise music going on up in heaven. And, and there's a part of that that, you know, that we get a picture of when we think about heaven. But can I tell you that there are times in heaven where heaven is completely silent, no sound, no noise. And and we'll look at this spot in Revelation chapter 8. If you want to follow along on the screen or open your Bible to Revelation chapter 8 verse 1, it says, when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Can you imagine being in heaven and witnessing what John saw, and just all of a sudden, all of heaven went completely silent? How many of you guys are the type of people that whenever there's a three-second pause in a conversation, you just blurt out something to fill in the space? Anybody like that? Some of you guys, if that would have happened and you're John, you would have started filling in the space. Like, what's that golden thing over there? You'd be uncomfortable, right? How many of you guys would just admit, like, this would be a little bit intense to see? And yet there's silence in heaven. And, And I think that what makes us uncomfortable is because we don't know what to do with silence, we really don't know what to do with silence. And so we, we surround ourselves with all sorts of noise. And how many of you guys are really awkward in an elevator? Is anybody really awkward in an elevator? Like, you know you don't have enough time to start a conversation. And that's why they play music, just so you don't have to deal with it. Have you ever gone into a grocery store? I, I just think about these. I went into a grocery store one time, and the, somebody forgot to turn on the music, okay? Because you know there's always music in a grocery store. Somebody forgot to turn on the music and, and nobody knew what to do. It's like we have to actually interact with each other now because in a grocery store when there's music, it's like you're in a video game. You don't have to interact with anybody. You just go, you do your thing. Nobody else really exists. They are like computer players just walking around the, the, the store because we don't know what to do. So we fill all this stuff with noise and we don't really know what to do. We, now they have these, outs- I noticed they have these outside Bluetooth speakers that look like rocks so that you can play music outside because... You wouldn't want to hear birds or anything like that. You've got to fill it with something. My kids got me a a new Bluetooth uh, clock radio thing. And so I was just, I mean, and I got Spotify. And so I'm like trying to, I'm like, man, I'm I'm hooking up to the, I'm controlling the music in our house now. You know, it's like, and I felt like powerful. How many of you guys know when you're controlling the Bluetooth in the house, you feel powerful. I felt like I was controlling the climate of our house and controlling the weather of our house and the, and, and really, I was, because I was controlling. I mean, when you put noise into the air, it affects what you think, it affects what you hear, it affects what you do. And the same is true when we put noise in our life. And a lot of us have noise in our life. We've got all kinds of noise. We've filled our life with noise. We've been talking about that in this series. We've been talking about, you know, the, the Sabbath rest. We talk about solitude times 
Last week, I want to talk about something today that maybe is really kind of something uncomfortable, and it's silent nights. We don't really know what to do with silence. And so most of us, everywhere we go, there's noise. Everywhere we go, there's some sort of, uh, of interruption. And we have what, I, what I've called micro-interruptions all the time, like we've never seen before in any other generation. I mean, there's every, how many of you guys get interrupted all the time, and you don't even, under, you don't even recognize it anymore? There was a study out of University of California and that the typical office worker gets interrupted every three minutes and five seconds. <clears throat> That's crazy. And it takes them 23 minutes and 15 seconds to get back on track. <laughs> How many of you guys know that's a lot of wasted time, isn't it? And yet we're interrupted all the time. We don't even think a thing about it. There was a study that, that was done that says that the average American checks their phone every 12 minutes. That's about 80 times a day. How many of you guys would just admit you're above average? Anybody above average in this place? Some of you guys are above average. One in 10 checks their phone every four minutes. So we're we're inundated with micro interruptions, with, with interruptions of sound, with interruptions of noise, with interruptions of clutter in our life, and we don't think a thing about it anymore. And you think about all the ads that you're constantly marketed to everywhere you drive. There's billboards. Every sh- shirt that you wear, there's usually some sort of, of, uh, of advertisement uh, on the internet. There's ads coming up all the time before you do anything. And we're constantly inundated with I- images and visuals and noise and interruptions and text messages and social media. I don't have to paint the picture for you too far because you guys are living it, right? We know what this is, but we've just gotten used to this. 40% of people, they say, would rather lose their voice for a day than lose their phone for a day. <laughs> and it, this one's even more shocking. 62% would rather go a week without chocolate than lose their phone for a day. What's wrong with our society, guys? I mean, this is just, we've gone off the deep end now. Because we just don't know what to do without some sort of interruption in our life. We can't handle silence. And, let, and yet we come to this scripture that's our key anchor scripture for this series out of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, which says, but they who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We don't know how to wait. We especially don't know how to wait in silence. We don't have to wait. We don't know how to wait without the noise. You drive in your car, you put music on, you, you spend time with God, you put worship music on and all these things aren't bad things, but they're noise in our life. And we don't know what to do with the silence. And so one of the reasons, I, I, one of the things I discovered when I started going hunting a few years ago, I, I remember sitting out there and it was in the dark. It was about five something in the morning. It was cold. It was dark. And I'm sitting there by myself just waiting for light to come. And I'm waiting and waiting for the animals and the creatures to start to wake up. And they slowly start to wake up. And I realize there's nothing I can do right now in this moment more productive than just to wait in silence. The most productive thing I can do right now is to be still and silent. And if I do anything other than be still and silent, I'm working against what's actually happening in this moment. And I just want to suggest to you that there's sometimes in our lives when there's nothing more productive that you could do than be still and silent. And when we try to fill it in with noise, we're working against what needs to happen in that moment in our life. And so that's why I started to get into to hunting. One of the reasons is, is because I had just recognized that 
I, I needed stillness. I needed quiet. And I needed to find a place for that and where I could just sit there and be in stillness and quiet. Because there's no other place on the planet where we really get that. So I had the privilege of taking my, my daughter out a few weeks ago, my oldest daughter, and it was the first time uh, she'd ever been hunting. And so she said, the first time she'd ever experienced this stillness and, and silence and just the waiting. And we went out on a Sunday afternoon after church. We went out there and we sat out there for a couple hours. And I just captured just a few moments of it just so you can get a picture. Let's watch. Shaylin and I are anxiously waiting for a deer to come. We've been waiting for a while. We saw two bucks, but they were too small. And already shot a buck. We saw a doe, but it was running through. But we're still waiting. we waited and we never saw, or we never got anything, but we waited. She got the experience. But there's something that happens when you wait like that. And those of you guys who have been deer hunting, how many of you guys have been hunting before? Okay. One of the things when you first start off hunting that I realized is you, you really are tempted to shoot a lot of squirrels when you're deer hunting. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Because they start jumping around, and you think, here comes the biggest buck of my life, and it's a deer, or it's a squirrel, not a deer. And so, but, but something happens as you start to go out, and you start to be out there long enough. I've noticed, at least in my life, that I can start to distinguish, more often than not, what's a squirrel over a deer. And many times, I'm like, uh, uh, nope, that's, that's a squirrel. I can just tell that's a squirrel. Because I've sat in silence long enough to recognize the distinctive sounds. See, something happens when you sit and you quiet the noise in your life. You can start to hear things you otherwise would not hear. So I want to tell you three things about silence that we may maybe need to get going in our life and maybe need to understand. And, and the first thing is this. Silence actually makes God's voice louder. Silence makes God's voice louder. We, so many times we expect God in the loud and the big, and there are many times God is in the loud and the big, but there's so many times when God is in the stillness and the, the silent. And Elijah found that, this out. He had, had this, this pinnacle moment where he had just defeated all these prophets of Baal, and he, then he gets scared and he runs away, and he's, he's trying to figure out what's going on. First Kings chapter 19, verse 9, it says, There he came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word, came, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. 
And a great, and many of you guys have heard this before, but a great strong wind tore through the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Can you imagine this big, loud, you know, impressive thing? But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a low whisper. And God was in the whisper. See, sometimes silence makes God's voice louder. But again, we don't know what to do with silence. There's this place that I heard about a while ago. It's in South Minneapolis. And Guinness Book of World Records calls this the quietest place on earth. And it's this room that was engineered and it was built to be completely soundproof. And I've got a picture of it. It's, it's kind of crazy looking. But in this room, is the, it's supposed to be the quietest place on earth. And basically, they say, and I don't understand all this, but they say a typical quiet bedroom at night, it, it measures about 30 decibels. Okay, a typical quiet bedroom at night while you're sleeping is about 30 decibels. This room measures at negative 9 I don't know what that means, but I know it's really quiet, guys. That's what I know it means, okay? So they'll test products in this room. Like, they'll test engines and all sorts of things to try to listen to the distinct sounds because there's no other noise pollution. And so they, they'll take things in this room. But you can actually go into this room for a fee, and you can sit in this room, and you can see what it's like. And they have to actually monitor you in this room because it's so disorienting to be in an environment this quiet. And, and they actually, you have to sit down because otherwise we take so many cues that we don't understand by sound that we get disoriented and you would fall over because it's so quiet in this room. And in, in fact, the longest that anybody has ever stayed in this room, the longest, and it was a reporter, they only let reporters go in there to try to experience this, the longest anyone could ever stand being in this room was 45 minutes. And they couldn't take it anymore. And many have tried. Because what happens when you get in a place this quiet, you start to hear sounds in ways you never would hear sounds before. You start to hear your heartbeat in a way you've never heard it before. You start to hear even your lungs and your stomach, your organ, like stuff you, it's kind of eerie. And so people can't take it. It's, it's really disorienting. And, and your ears begin to adjust to the silence and you begin to hear things in a different way. I believe that's what happens. I believe when we get silent before the Lord, when we put silence in our life, I think not only can this happen, but it needs to happen. That our ears need to adjust to hear things in a different way. And we're surrounded with so much noise that I believe there are things we're missing because we're surrounded with all the noise. And silence allows you to notice things you otherwise would not notice. Last Sunday, when it snowed so much, we went home from church, and, and it was snowing a lot, and finally all the kids and stuff, they said, well, we're going to go outside and play. So we went outside, and we, we you know, played around in the snow for quite a while, and then there was this one moment where we all just laid down in the snow, and I just was letting the snowflakes just hit my face. Some of you guys are like, that, what are you doing? Like, stay in by the... No, I loved it. I, I was just laying out there, and the snowflakes were hitting my face, and we're all just laying on the ground, and it got so quiet that I could hear the snowflakes hitting the ground. How you guys know it's got to be quiet for you to hear that? You've got to pay attention for that. Again, I think there are things in our life that God wants to show us, to reveal to us, that we can't hear, we can't see, unless there's some literal silence in our life. 
This may not seem so spiritual, but I'm, I'm telling you it is. I, I want to try to convince you that this is. Years ago when I was facing this burnout period in my life, I read about this, this pastor who was also experiencing a burnout and he wanted, he, he wanted to go to a monastery, you know, where it's just completely quiet. And he did. He went where it was just complete silence. And you know you start to think you're kind of crazy when, you, when that looks really good, you know? How you guys know? You're like, I'd like to spend some time just in complete silence, not talking to anyone and just silence for the rest of my life, you know? And so that started to look pretty good, and I couldn't really do that. But what I started to do was to do something that just kind of in my mind I called my, my 10-minute monastery. And I would just sit, and usually I do this for longer than 10 minutes, but I would just sit in silence. And I would just shut out all the noise, and I'd just say, God, I'm normally doing the talking, but I'm going to just sit here and I'm going to listen. And for a while, I had to have a notebook by me. And you might try this, okay? I encourage you to. I had a notebook by me, and every time, because what would happen is I'd sit in silence on all these thoughts. Oh, I forgot to write that down. I forgot to do that. I've got to do that. So I'd write all this stuff down that would come into my mind until nothing was coming in left, okay? It took a while. And then I just sat. God began to show me things in different ways, began to hear things in different ways. But so many of us never take time to get it down to complete silence, But God's voice gets louder when we turn down the noise. Second thing about silence is this, and you may not think of it this way, but silence guards the fire within. You you know, I I heard this illustration of of like this steam bath. You know, how many guys, when you take a shower, just kind of this way, when I take a shower, sometimes I want to see how steamy I can get the room. I like try to intentionally try to see how much steam I can get. How many of you guys just admit you've done that before, okay? Yeah, me and about four people who are weird, okay. <laughs> That's fine, I'll own that. But I, I try to see, okay, how steamy can I get this so I can't even see the door, you know? And then what happens when the door opens, of course, all the steam goes out, Right? And that's kind of a picture of what happens in our life. See, sometimes God wants to do something in the room of our heart, but we've got the door open so much that it can't build up. It can't accumulate. The fire can't be stoked. We're releasing all the steam of of what God's trying to do out so quick that it it has no opportunity. It has no opportunity. And so Silence guards this fire within. And and what what I'm really meaning by this is that we have to be faithful to guard the work that God is doing on the inside of us. And so many times God gives us some sort of revelation or gives us some sort of new idea, and immediately we're putting it out there. How many of you guys know social media is like just ripe for that? I mean, we just put something out there. We get some new revelation. We get some new idea. We get something, and we want to share it with everybody. We want to share it. But silence allows, you know, there's like a crock pot in your heart. That's the way I look at it. There's there's a crock pot, you know. Sometimes we're trying to microwave what God wants to have simmer on the inside of us for a while. Zachariah and Elizabeth, you know, experienced this in a weird way. It's really part of the Christmas story. But Elizabeth was barren for years and years, and now they were too old to have kids. And all of a sudden, this angel comes and appears to Zachariah and says, no, you're going to have a kid. And, and he's like, starts to ask all these questions. God's getting ready to do a miracle, but then God shuts his mouth. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 18, it says, And Zechariah said to the angel, 
How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him and said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until that day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. See, sometimes we try to fill the silence with words, activity, or noise that will actually work against what God wants to do. God wanted to do a miracle in Zechariah and Elizabeth, and God had to shut Zechariah's mouth because he was trying to fill the silence with things that were going to work against what God wanted to do. And he, what was he doing? He's like, there's a fire of faith that has to be dealt with in Zechariah. And, and to do that, you, you have to be silent and let God begin to work in the crockpot of your soul. And, and, and have you guys have recognized this before? You have to be careful who you share things with and when you share things, right? Now, let me tell you why you have to be careful who you share and when you share. It's not to guard against their negative reaction. That's what a lot of us think it is. Well, I've got to, go, you know, I've got to be careful to share it with that, not share it with that person because they're going to douse my dreams. That's not, that's not why we have to be careful who and when. We have to be careful who and when because of this very thing I'm talking about that we may let the fire out too soon and we may miss out on the significance of what God wants to solidify in our heart. Because it doesn't matter. If God puts something in your heart, it doesn't matter what negative thing somebody wants to say about it. If it's solidified in your heart, it's solidified in your heart. It's not to guard against a negative comment because if you're going to be swayed by a negative comment, you, you're not going to get the job done anyway. It's to allow God to continue this fire in your heart. Sometimes you have to be careful not to release something too soon. And honestly, can I just tell you it's hard for me as a pastor sometimes because I get up here every single week and most weekends. I'll, I'll be up here, you know, 35 weekends or whatever it is this year. And, and preach, multiply that by three, you know, by all the service. So I'm preaching well over 100 times, and, and I'll be sharing stuff with you. You guys think you know me better than you actually do, because I'm sharing with you stuff publicly about my personal life, but I'm always sharing something. And so I'm hyper aware of this idea that I have to be careful when God plants something in me, that even though I'm tempted to share it, I can't always share everything right away. I have to let some things marinate in my heart for a while. There's some things that have been cooking in my heart for a long time that you won't hear about it for months. But then I'll, I'll be able to, to share that after it's had its time to do its work. One of my favorite quotes, or one of the, the quotes on this that I, I really loved as I was looking at this said this, our first and foremost task is to faithfully care for the inward fire so that when it is really needed, it can offer warmth and light to lost travelers. There's a timing to all of this. God has been, just this week, even this past week, God has been really reminding me about the sabbatical that I took about a year and a half ago. For some reason, just every turn, I just kept having a memory about it. I started watching some of the videos that I took while I was there, and, and he was reminding me of some of the things that were going on during that time. And, and I think I've shared this before, but one of the things that was happening for me as I went on sabbatical, I took a couple weeks of just kind of detoxing, and then I was getting ready to go to Montana by myself. And I'd, I'd never been that far by myself, like completely off-grid, away from everyone. Uh, for a, I was going for a week, completely detached, uh, limited contact, all of that stuff. And as I was thinking about that and preparing for that, 
I had multiple times where I, the way I described it is this. I had this fear of future loneliness. It was like for a moment I could just feel a wave of what I thought I would feel once I got completely out there by myself. And I felt like completely alone. Like, I, I can't even really describe it to you except to just say that it was kind of, it was, it was a little challenging for me to navigate. And I kept having this over and over again. I kept feeling like, well, once I get out there, I'm going to have this fear because I'm always around people. I'm always around, I'm always talking to people. I'm always, uh, uh, you know, a text away from people. And here I was going to go for seven, eight days, whatever, completely by myself, completely detached, everything. And so finally that, that I, I went on the trip. I, I drove to Montana and then there was this one particular day that I was going to go on this hike and I I didn't have cell phone service. I didn't tell anybody on the planet where I was going to be. I drove to this little town, and then at the edge of this little town, it turned into a dirt road that went off into the wilderness. And I was going to drive for miles and miles and miles, and then I was going to hike after that. And I just wanted you to capture, I just want to help you capture a little bit about what I was feeling. And so I just put together just a little clip of of me driving on this road and kind of processing how remote this is. So let's watch. Okay, I'm getting ready to hike Crow's Creek Falls, and it's literally like I've been driving for miles on this road. It's out in the middle of nowhere, literally out in the middle of nowhere. Keep crossing all of these cattle guards. Just saw a bunch of cows back there just I say roaming free, but the cattle guards are keeping them in. So, uh, yeah, I've got another 8.4 miles before my next turn to get to this hiking spot where then it's like a, a six-mile trek. So, uh, yeah, this is pretty remote, to say the least. There is nothing for miles and miles I mean, I've been driving for like a half an hour on this dirt road out into the middle of nothing. And then I'm gonna hike for miles. If I make one wrong turn here, I go off a cliff. So it's really wise for me to be holding this phone while I'm driving. But I just can't get over it. There's nothing, not a building, not a person. Not a structure, not a cable or wire. I mean, I just haven't seen any sight of man for miles and miles. Not a sign, not a piece of trash. I mean, the only thing that indicates that anybody is here is this road, which is barely present. So then I, I finally reached the trailhead. No one is there. I mean, about as remote as you get. Hiked several miles. And I thought to myself as I was going, first of all, I thought, well, if I break an ankle, this is it. Because I, no one knows where I'm at and I'm going to get eaten by wolves or something. And uh, bears, most likely. But, uh, but my other thought was, if I'm ever going to feel the loneliness I thought I was going to feel, it would be now. Because I'm as far away as far away can be. 
And in that moment, I can't really describe to you what exactly happened. But I felt the presence of God in such a strong way. The last thing I felt was loneliness. I felt the presence of God in such a deep way, being as far, God had to take me as far away as I'd ever humanly been, away from, from civilization, at least at that point, to show me how near he is to me. And it's something I think I could only have experienced with the distance. And I think that that in some way applies to us in this area of noise. Sometimes we have to get to a place where it's so silent that God can, that, that, I love the way I've heard it put, that his whisper sounds like a shout. That there's only, when you get to that level of complete silence where your life is calmed down from all of the noise, that God can reveal to you and speak to you in a way that he could never speak to you otherwise. And I just think that that's, that's a, a, a powerful, powerful thing. One of the other things I, I was reminded of this week is I had several people praying for me when I was on my sabbatical, and they had different people taking different days, and I had this vulnerable moment where I was like wondering, you know, yeah, I'm the pastor of a church, a lot of people know who I am, and a lot of people in the church are praying for me, and I had this thought, would anybody even be praying for me if I wasn't pastor? And it was kind of this moment where I, I began to just kind of get real before God, and I thought, God, what if everything in my life was taken away? And it was, it was a weird thought, okay? I don't recommend going down this road, but it's just where I was at. And I thought, well, what if I wasn't a pastor of Journey Church, that what I did was, was non-existent? What if my family was gone? What if I, my wife was gone and it was just me? What would I do? And I had that moment where I was wrestling with what would I do, and I was taken back to my bedroom as a, a 12, 13-year-old teenager, and I remembered sitting back there when I, it was just me in my room, my my room alone with God. And I remember the connection that I had with God in that moment as just a teenager. And that was before anything else was built on. And God says, that's what you have. And I thought, you know, if everything's taken away, I always have this. And from that point, God began to rebuild, put my marriage back, put my family back, put my vocation back, put my ministry back, based on that foundation of who I really am. And that's what I believe silence also does. When we strip away all the noise, silence reminds us of who we really are. Because in the noise, we forget. There's a lot of things telling us otherwise. There's a lot of things that, that, remi- that, that can remind us of what we're not <laughs> and try to convince us of things that we aren't. And I just want to close up with, with this thought on this. And I'm going to have to take, it's going to seem like a detour, but we're going to end up right back here, okay? So just follow me. Okay, so I'll do a little thought experiment here. If everything, we believe God, before, before everything else, there was God, right? Okay, so we believe in the creator. Existence before all things, and then he spoke things into existence. Okay, then everything that we see, every person we've ever encountered, every thing that we've ever seen in our life has come from the words of God, right? I mean, he created it all. He created everything. Before him, creation, there was nothing. So everything came from God. I know I'm stating the obvious to believers, okay? But I just want to lay this foundation. If everything came from God, the supernatural being, we say supernatural, if everything came from God, then God is the most normal thing in the universe, 
Because everything came from him. So he is the most normal thing in the universe. Sometimes people think, well, God is mysterious and God is weird. If everything came out of God, then God is the most normal thing in the universe. You say, well, wait a minute. Isn't God holy? Holy means separate, literally means separate or other. Separate from his creation, okay? So yes, in one sense, God is holy and separate from creation. But I, I want to remind you that God invites us to be holy as he is holy. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, God is holy, separate other you also be holy in all your conduct. In other words, be like God. So if God is the most normal thing in the universe, the most logical thing you could do is to rearrange your life into a way that looks like his way. Amen? If he's the most normal thing, the most logical thing you could do is to lean into God's ways. Be holy as he is holy. Sin came into the world as a perversion of God's holiness. So sin tainted the purity of God's holiness. To, to be holy, when God says to be holy, is an invitation to be as things were back in the garden. Is everybody following me this morning? Because I believe there's going to be a level of revelation by the time we're done here. Be holy is, a, is an invitation to live fully in the image of God. Okay? And you remember that Satan tried to twist this, and he tried to, to lie to them. He tried to get them, that's where sin came in, where he starts to lie to Eve and to twist the story. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, it says, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing evil. What was Satan saying? He was saying, God doesn't want you to be like him. And if you eat this fruit, you will be like him. Satan said, I'm going to read this because this is how I wrote it down. But Satan said that God didn't want them to eat because God didn't want them to be like him. The fact is, they already were like God. You see this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I'm almost done, but I want you to catch this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So they were made like God. And I didn't put this up on the screen, but I'm going to read this twice because here's the revelation I want you to catch about this. Satan tricked them to trade in what they already were to try to gain what they already had. Satan tried to trick them to, gi to give up, what, to, to trade in what they already were. They already were like God to try to gain what they already had. And can I tell you that on this side of the cross, he is still doing that today. He is trying to trick us to trade in what we already are for something we already have. And he does this with noise. He does this with lies. He does this with confusion. And when I was on my sabbatical, God reminded me of who I already was. See, I had a lot of noise about my life. And I had a lot of fear and a lot of things, and God was stripping it all away. And he's like, no, 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 if you take all of these things away, here's who you really are. But it was the silence and getting rid of the noise to remind me of that. And it's like God was giving me a gift in that moment that I already had, and it was the gift of revelation. But I'd lost it. I'd forgotten it because of all the noise. I'd forgotten it because of the lies. I couldn't see it because of the, so many things going on. So I want to remind you that there's a lot of noise happening in your life. Silence makes God's voice louder. Silence helps you guard the fire within you. 
But silence will also remind you of who you already are. And these things are so important. And if you lose these, you've lost, you've, you've lost the, the battle <laughs> because then you, you can't really go forward in God. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. And as they do, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment right there where you are? I just want to remind you that God's voice gets louder when you turn down the noise. Could we take just a moment and ask the Holy Spirit, maybe if there's some areas of our life where there's a lot of noise that needs to be turned down. We take just a moment and ask God what fire he wants us to keep in our heart that maybe we've been releasing too soon. Take just a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to strip away all the noise and to remind you of who you really are. God, we just admit that we're many times not good at waiting. But God, we want to be found faithful in the wait. We want to be sensitive to your voice. So sensitive to your voice that your whisper sounds like a shout in our soul. God, as we come to worship you one more time, we're getting ready to enthrone you on our praises and to lift you up and to sing to you. God, we thank you that you're ever so patient with us and you give us opportunity after opportunity. That you want to speak to us more than we want to listen many times. Help us to go against the culture which says the more noise, it must mean the more importance. Or the So many of us have distracted our lives and our heart with so much noise because we're afraid of what we're going to hear you say in the silence. We're afraid that you might tell us to rearrange our priorities or rearrange our schedule or rearrange our heart in some way. Lord, I pray for every person here. You'd give us the courage to wait on you and to wait well. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. That on the cross it is finished. On the cross you paid the price. We don't have to strive to try to earn our way towards you. But we can rest in the way we can rest in what you've done and out of that obedience comes out of that everything else flows and God we just thank for that we worship you today would you guys stand up with me and let's worship him one more time